So do you want to hear my poem? You wrote a poem? Well, more like a three-part haiku. It starts like this. Oh, sorry, uh, I think I hear the game coming. Uh, reboot! Reboot! Warning, incoming game. Warning, incoming game. Welcome to Incoming Game, a podcast where we watch and rewatch the 90s animated series reboot. I'm Jessica, a nostalgic. And I'm Ben, a skeptic. I have never seen this show until now. And I grew up loving it. Each week we'll dissect an episode from start to finish. This week it's episode three, The Quick and the Fed. Now before we get started, Jess, how are you doing this week? I'm doing really well, thank you. I actually had a comic published this week. It's a comic called Strange Romance, Volume 3. It's available on Comixology. My comic in it is called I Made Out With a Zombie. It's written by Laura Stump with art by me. And it's all short stories, uh, short comic stories, about weird romances, such as making out with zombies. <laughs> so if you like zombie butt, you can go check it out. It's only five bucks on Comixology. It's pretty fun. Speaking of your artwork, too, I just want to shout out the album art for this podcast. Oh, thank you. How was your week? Uh, my week was okay. I just got over being sick, um, but I'm feeling better now. Oh, yeah? That's good. Yeah. You know what didn't help, though? What's that? Was this episode. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I thought this episode was so much fun. Oh, well. We'll get into it. Yeah, let's get into it. Great. All right, so this is Season 1, Episode 3, Quick and the Fed. It first aired on September 24th, 1994. It was written by Mark Edens and Lane Reichert, and the story is by Mark Edens and Ian Pearson, who's one of the creators. Now, this is actually the same creative team that did the last episode, so I'm surprised that it was such a downer for you. So, we start off with Zerg. With the, he's got a big old electromagnet and a little slug friend that he squeezes and calls Nibbles. Nibbles! I told you we were going to meet his pet this week. <laughs> Nibbles is a little uh, squishy, uh, I guess he's a null, right? He's a null, yes. But uh, he uses the magnet to turn the sky into a donut, and then uh, Bob wobbles into frame to thwart him. So he goes to turn off the magnet, and uh, Megabyte says that Bob will erase if he gets within 10 bits of the magnet, which must be pretty damn close, because Bob goes right up to it without harm. Well, I love that when Bob zooms in, it's pretty much an entire shot of his crotch, and then up. <laughs> it is. It's just like, <laughs> hello, which I think is, you know, maybe Megabyte's point of view. Yeah. <laughs> And then a hole opens up, and does that Megabyte's legs just come up from the floor? Yes. So you weren't kidding last week when you said that he didn't have legs under the viewer screen. Oh, I was not kidding. He legitimately puts on his legs. I guess, you know, a true gentleman virus just sits on his chair legless. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, so Bob lures the virus binomes up the magnet and then zooms right back down. He pulls out their hoverboards from right underneath them, and then they pull a wily coyote by hovering in the air for a moment before falling. And yeah, he goes up and he uses Glitch to pull out the tiny magnet. Yeah, well, not before Zerg starts jungle-catting up, just like in the uh, first episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this is actually, I think this is pretty cool, is that you have this character, Megabyte, who is at least trying to be very refined. You know, he's got Tony J doing his voice. He's a very mm. refined gentleman. But then you get this really, like, feral, like, the look on his face and, like, the jungle catting up. Like, this little back and forth between the two different personalities. He really is, he's, he's not too happy with Bob right now. By the way, when Bob jumps out of the way and so, like, Zerg's thwarted, he lets out this weird, like, cough, sneeze, hack thing. Just like, <laughs> he does. Ah! <laughs> Later. Ah! 
I did notice that. Oh, and I loved he when he knocked over the non-magnet part of the magnet, and all the little binomes are going, backspace, backspace. Oh, boy. <laughs> so we get back to the diner, and uh, Dot is FaceTiming with some contractor on her iPad, which is, again, predicting future tech. Yeah, they are. They really, we're seeing a lot of things that they call things before they actually happen. <laughs> But, um, so yeah, so Bob enters and uh, Enzo tackles him once again. As he does. And he's like, oh, I hear you royally kicked Megabyte's bitmap. <laughs> well, you know, they can't say much other than bitmap. <laughs> yeah. And we find out that Cecil is actually pronounced Cecil. Uh, yeah, I forget if we found that out, if he says Cecil in the first episode or not. Right, because I thought when he was introduced, now I don't know, maybe he wasn't named and like you just said he was Cecil? It might have just been me. <laughs> It does also say it on his sticker, but he also could just be messing with Bob. He doesn't like Bob. He could be just <laughs> just to mess with him. <laughs> I, I really loved the kind of like NPC thing that they do there where they show his available text that he can say to Bob. This scene went on for 17 goddamn minutes. <laughs> that t- so it's an extended scene. Yeah, he scans the diner. He's looking for a place to seat Bob. He's silently calculating tips and possible dialogue options. And it was 100 years. It was very long. It was much longer than they needed to be. They they went on a little bit too long with that particular joke they were trying to pull off. And then, yeah, and, and on top of that, so Bob approaches the counter to sit next to Dot and falls on his ass because there's no stool there, which he would have clearly seen from the angle he approaches it. He's looking directly at the lack of stool. I honestly do not understand where that gag is coming from. I'm just like, why would you make such a big... And then he just falls, and then, okay, I guess we're moving <laughs> on. I am nowhere near finished ranting about this. <laughs> so... <laughs> Dot Dot goes and orders a drink for Bob, which then Cecil shouts right in Bob's ear, and we see a milkshake wearing sunglasses racing around the counter's conveyor belt before leaping to the ground and zooming out the door just to make a fucking fast food joke. Well, it had sunglasses because he ordered a tall, cool one, and you're not cool if you don't wear sunglasses. (laughs) And yes, it... Well, it's half to make a fast food joke and half to somehow imply that Dot's food is fast as opposed to some other food that we're going to find out later is slow. Right. Yes, this whole scene, I think, could have been edited a lot. <laughs> it needed <laughs> it needed a lot more love than it got, I think. Uh, but Bob puts his little case on the counter there and lets everyone in the diner know that it is actually a magnet, which freaks them out. Oh, but it's okay. It's shielded. It, it just, it feels so irresponsible of him to do anyways it is and is that the same magnet that he took from megabyte because i have a problem with the scale here because that was a giant magnet in the beginning and now he's just carrying it around Uh, in his pocket no it was a tiny magnet in the beginning what no that was a big thing the magnet or the the thing around the magnet was huge like the machine with the coils that was massive but inside was a tiny little magnet and then he used Glitch to grab the little magnet and put it in his little pocket. Mm. <laughs> See, now you have to go back and watch it <laughs> and love I'm it. I'm not going to go back and rewatch this one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> now, was it just me or were some of the binomes colored darkly in the diner like they were Megabyte's infected minions? Um, I don't think they were purple like Megabyte's, but they are, and I they did this a lot in this episode, which has me excited. Uh, they are starting to expand their binome 
Like we see a doctor binome in this episode. We see like punk binomes in this episode. So we're starting <laughs> to see a variety of binomes. The world building is happening. Yeah, we, we get a lot more of that later on. But this is like the first time we've actually seen new and different binomes, which is fun. So first thing, uh, after after we find out that he puts the magnet on the counter, he lets uh, Enzo dick around with Glitch, which, you know, <laughs> what are you thinking, Bob? And uh, it transforms into, what, a hammer, a flashlight, and then a jackhammer, yes. which knocks the magnet right off the counter. Yes, which goes right for Dot's forehead. Yep, and then we get weird Skull Dot again. Well, this is pretty fun. So other Skull Dot, Skull Dot from episode one, they legit put a skull under her. Uh They modeled the skull, which I thought was pretty fun. But for this one, they use the actual model itself to create the effect, which is pretty cool. Because, you know, to create the 3D animation, you have to model the character, which is going to be actually hollow inside. And then Mm -hmm. you have to model things like the teeth and the eyes separate. So you get to see like how the teeth are underneath her and how the eyes are underneath her. And they just make the model kind of (laughs) see-through. You know, kind of cheating, but making a really cool effect while doing it. Yeah, they did like they scrambled her texture a bit. Like, yeah, they so did. Yeah. yeah, they didn't just make her transparent. Like she's kind of like vibrating all over the place. Yeah, they they use the technology of the time really well. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Bob tells Enzo not to panic, and then he immediately panics. Uh, and then Cecil goes t- tells him to go find Fong. Now, is that a different voice actor for Fong this time? He sounded like a little bit higher pitched and like more manic. Um, no, it's not. It's the same voice actor. So it's probably he's probably just trying something out. That first episode, they didn't give Fong much of a personality beyond generic Asian wise man. Well, that's why, yeah, because in the pilot, or I don't know if it's the pilot, but the first episode, he's like, very yes, oh, and then in this one, he's like, oh, hey! <laughs> but then he kind of settles in, like, to the voice a little bit near the end of his dialogue, but um, I wasn't sure if it was just, like, somebody trying to imitate it, or if it was a replacement voice actor, or what. No, I think it's just them getting used to the character, because he does get an actual personality at some point. Mm-hmm. beyond you know generic asian wise man mm-hmm. so i think it might have just been him kind of feeling it out we still making them play pong yes and uh <laughs> i think you noted that you actually see that there's a binome inside the uh pong disc this time. yes which you see he you know pops out of the pong disc and then he does a little cartoon like almost seeing birds over his head as he's <laughs> too dizzy right. done. it's a living <laughs> <laughs> Now that you have whomped me at my favorite game, you have proven yourself worthy of my vast knowledge and endless wisdom. What was the question? Fong tries to explain what's happening to Dot and how to fix it. Bob doesn't understand and asks him to repeat it in plain DOS, which I thought was fun. He says to prevent complete erasure, Dot needs to access some really, really, really slow food. And then he tells Bob to hurry up. (laughs) <laughs> go get it yeah but it's, it's, it's the first I, we need slow food fast joke of many so he goes back to dot's diner informs dot what the issue is dot tells him to go to al sit and wait for some slow food it's on level 31 but it's a pretty shady area of mainframe i'm sorry dot doesn't tell him that fong had told him this off screen and and bob is retelling her this yeah and this scene with with uh, dot glitching out that would have completely screwed me up as a kid <laughs> Do we have any way of knowing how traumatizing this scene was for people? I don't think we have any kind of scale. <laughs> I could take a poll. <laughs> Level 3031? You down? Can't go there. It's too dangerous. Um, and then you, you did say that Al's weight need is in level 31. Now, is that possibly another Star Trek reference to section 31? Or am I reaching there? You know, it might be. 
Um, I don't think it's very direct reference mm-hmm. if it is. They might have just tried to pick a number and some Star Trek fan picked 31. But yeah, so he walks into this rough looking bar and it's complete with robots, cyberpunks, and a creepy number five. And and what the fuck is with that five? I need a screen cap of him. <laughs> I didn't really notice that the five looked that funky. Um, go back and look at that five. I was noticing the fun <laughs> Technicolor sprites. This is the first time we meet, well, not meet, but see other sprites other than Bob, Dot, and Enzo. Yeah, there's like a weird like red punk hair guy and there's like a skeleton drinking something. There's like eyeballs floating in a tank. Everyone in that bar or bar food restaurant is so 90s cyberpunk. I love it. But there's a bunch of like numbers and letters too, like an ampersand and an eight and stuff like that too. And that's where the five is like purple and he's got this like goofy weird face and it's like kind of <laughs> real strange. Uh, we get to see the fun clientele of Al's. And then we meet, in quotation marks, Al. <laughs> or rather, Al's waiter. <laughs> he asks for some slow food fast. Slow food doesn't go fast. That's why it's slow. Uh, and we get Al's classic, what? Just, you know, spoilers, we'll never meet Al. Yeah, so there's like 10 minutes of I need slow food fast and number-based jokes. You know, you got like a guy telling the 789 joke. There's the, you know, a number 8 that says he was waiting for his food since he was 4. So after 10 years of that, I'm about ready to bash my head in. And even Hack and Slash start getting on my nerves. What's the deal with 7? Why is everybody afraid of him? Because 789! Well, uh, one, I wanted to point out that Bob's number that he gets for service mm-hmm. is 4,096, but in binary, it's like one trillion. Yeah, I'd count it as like 12 zeros. <laughs> or they're currently serving number three, so Bob's got to wait a while. But yeah, the number jokes. At some point, we have to remember that this was made for Saturday morning cartoons. That that 789 joke <laughs> killed in third grade. That's true. For the Sesame Street crowd, you know, it would have really hit its mark. But we cut to Megabyte's mansion. Megabyte tells Hack and Slash to go get Bob to use the search and retrieve function. And we cut out to the second act. Back at Al's, Bob is chatting up some binomes and Hack and Slash come in and, and mess up the place. Right. Yeah. They appear just as Bob and myself are starting to lose our patience. So Al's waiter claims he already paid his protection money, <laughs> which I thought was funny. I was like, so <laughs> they got like a racket going on. It's, well, we know from episode one that extortion is kind of Megabyte game do what i want or i'll mess up the diner so bob makes a deal he says that he'll get the robots to leave him alone if he can just have some food to go and uh, al agrees and bob zips out of there with the robots in tow and sweet merciful christ finally the game comes down (laughs) so i did notice that while we were at al's diner there are actually infected binomes walking around in there which I don't know if I've noticed before. So they kind of, you know, just because you're infected with the virus, you can still just hang out at the re- like you have off days, I guess. Right. Yeah, those are the dark colored ones I was talking about, I think. Yeah, and they're definitely in owls. They're, I don't think they were in dots. I thought there were some in dots too, but all right. Now I'm going to need you to do a little just explaining here for me. What's that? Why is it that Bob is so anxious to get to the games when he seems he should have other priorities, like maybe getting dot fixed? How does the game benefit him? remember in episode one what happens when he didn't get to the game oh that's true yeah like it kind of destroys the city the binomes lost the section of the city gets destroyed uh Mm -hmm. binomes and sprites inside that section can get nullified or erased it's pretty pretty horrible so he's he's running in to, to solve a crisis and as we find out later the game actually landed on dot's diner so he was kind of saving dot 
So the robots are chasing Bob out of the diner, and he uh, distracts them with a vid window, that which uh, gives him time to get to the game before them. And then they end up smashing into the side of the game and exploding, which is actually the first time we see consequences. Which, I don't know if we can go with the consequences of hack and slash. They kind of fall apart literally all the time. <laughs> Twice in this episode. <laughs> yeah, they do show up again right at the end. <laughs> so, yeah, their their death is not permanent for sure. At the very least, we know you can't get into the game from the side. They tried. We've seen it. But we're in the game now, and we're in the middle of a medieval village, complete with generic medieval village music, and Bob reboots into a golden knight, and the user punches him on his way past. Yeah, he calls it like a castles and knights game, which is one of the more generic titles. And uh, he hears Dot calling for help, and that this is my other question, was how is she in the game? There's no way that she made it into the queue. All right, so my problem is not with Dot being in the game. He was obviously headed towards the diner before the game even came down. And the game came down, and when it comes up again, we see that he's they're outside of Dot's diner. So the game obviously landed there. Okay. My problem is how are Al and his waiter in the game? <laughs> like, Bob left that area. He was gone. And somehow they're also there? Which we find out because Bob grabs a dragon, and then there's this really odd shot where the dragon flies up into the sky and then just chills out there for 10 years before <laughs> zooming back down and towards the camera. I had a real problem with pacing this episode. <laughs> But uh, the user is in hot pursuit on his own dragon, and it's shooting fireballs at Bob. And this is where we find out that Al and the waiter are inside Bob's dragon operating it. Yep, and we learn that Al has figured out how to get the fire going with belches. And this scene also confused me, because the user's dragon is orange and Bob's is blue. But when we cut to Al and uh, inside the dragon, it's another orange one. So I actually assumed they were inside the user's dragon at first. I could just be the inside of a dragon is orange, but... You're right. The color coding could have been better there. It could have been clearer. But uh, the dragon fight doesn't last long. He has Al and his waiter distract the user with the dragon while he jumps through a cathedral window uh, and lands next to a skeleton, which reanimates and attacks him. Yeah, he has to fight off this living skeleton, but he nearly falls into a pit. And so he destroys the skeleton by opening a vid window inside of it, which causes him to burst. That was such a great move. I love how he did this twice in this episode with two different ways. He used the vid window as a physical barrier for hack and slash. And then he used it as a kind of internal grenade for the skeleton, which was pretty fun. Uh, But then he ends up going straight through the rest of the dungeon castle, uh, right up to the top of the tower where he's been hearing Dot's voice this whole time, but it's not Dot at all. It's Enzo in a dress and a megaphone. Yeah. <laughs> this this was another... So it's not Dot, it's Enzo, but when he uses the megaphone, it makes him sound like Dot. Well, yeah, the user needs to hear the lovely female voice of the damsel he's supposed to rescue. <laughs> and that's another question is how is Enzo in there, too? Well, he was at the diner. Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> everybody who we don't see entered the game just entered the game. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so Bob asks why that Enzo hasn't tackled him yet. And so he reveals because the dress is too tall, his feet are just dangling in midair. <laughs> and they do the little uh, Warner Brothers sound effect. <laughs> that was funny it was silly but funny but bob eventually remembers that oh yeah wasn't dot with you where is she Mm -hmm. what's going on well she appears as a knight fighting the user and they actually all together manage to beat him off by like hitting him with their swords and then enzo finishes him off by tossing the megaphone at him which ends the game uh and bob's like well what happened here and dot tries to explain that this whole time, if you had just listened to me 20 minutes ago, this episode wouldn't have happened. <laughs> yeah, she reveals she never needed Bob's help in the first place because she's a strong, independent woman. And she she's is. also partners with Al. <laughs> she is. So I, it, 
occurred to me here in this moment that we're seeing a pretty strong theme throughout these three episodes. And that's that Bob thinks that he is the hero. Bob thinks that he is the cowboy who's come to town to save the town on by himself. And every time Dot tries to remind him, no, we are a community. We solve our problems together. We work together. And going off on your own is just not acceptable. It's like, it's not what we do. And Bob continuously does not listen to her. <laughs> Even though she's like got her fingers and everything. <laughs> so we see that like, we literally see that like shown here is that she tries to tell him this is what needs to happen. Like you don't have to go to 31. Like I actually know Al. We can just talk to Al. <laughs> he will send the food over immediately. And Bob physically gets up and ignores her. <laughs> and says (laughs) that he is going to go off and save the day. And we see at the end, another great example of her, you know, she's fighting off the night. Bob is just like, oh, you're fighting off the night. And she's like, well, I can't do it alone. And, you know, we we have this theme that so far has run through all three episodes, which I don't think I noticed on my first time around. And so now I'm going to be looking for this. Yeah, back to the recap. As they're discussing Bob's uselessness, Megabyte manages to sneak up and abduct the boy. <laughs> so yeah, he comes up behind him, grabs him, threatens to, I don't know, erase him, I guess. Yeah, he asks for his magnet back because, man, it was really hard to make, you know? <laughs> it was a real pain in the butt. <laughs> Which I'd imagine it is because you're inside a computer. Where where are you getting this magnet? I'm pretty sure you're all virtual creatures here. <laughs> right, where, where did this magnet come from? <laughs> Bob just tosses it right at him, and that makes Megabyte glitch out and fall to his death. Which, okay, two things here. One, this is like shooting at the head of a criminal that's holding someone hostage. (laughs) You just don't do it. Like, oh, yeah, like, sure, it works in movies. Well, what was he going to do? He didn't have any weapons on him. But, I mean, you're throwing this magnet, and, like, when we saw that magnet in Dot's diner, it went straight for Dot's head. We have no way of knowing if it's going to go for Enzo. It might course correct, yeah. And two, why is there a cliff outside of Dot's diner? (laughs) It's just on the edge of this just giant... I'm pretty sure he was not next to a cliff when he appeared, and then suddenly there was a cliff. Is Dot's diner on the top of a very tall building? (laughs) I don't know what happened there. But I do love that that Hack and Slash dutifully jump in after him because they're good minions. Yeah, loyal to the end. And they, they were already dead already, so they're just, you know... <laughs> they, they, they fall apart a lot. They're pretty fun. And this is actually the point where the red robot, the one I like, his dialogue won me back over by the end. He's like, I'm feeling very close to you right now. There's something I want to tell you before we hit rock bottom. Up too late. <laughs> and that's the end, though. Like, it took me until the last line of this show before I won me over. I'm really I don't want to be negative I mean because I do have fun doing this but this one was a slog so I mean I enjoyed this episode and there's definitely a lot at fault here especially the scene at Dot's Diner that whole scene needed a lot of work (laughs) it was just so much poor pacing really like the, the whole slow food fast they reiterated that so many times and then like like having Cecil pause and like look around the diner for 10 minutes and the the long dragon shots that were did nothing there's also a problem i think with the the random jokes that they threw in like the fast cool one right the missing stool where you're just like i'm not sure why that joke is here and the seven eight nine bit like i mean yes you can argue it's for children but at the same time it it didn't really add to the episode at all yeah there's there's definitely some bits that they probably could have cut but overall i don't know i had a lot of fun with this episode i thought there was i guess more hard in it than the last episode but you know that was just me 
Okay. Reboot. I um so a couple of stray observations. You already mentioned the four thousand ninety six in binary, but I caught there's a binome that's wearing a hat that just says Toke on it. <laughs> yeah, and I thought that was great. Now to be fair, I had to look up what that was. I was like, oh, that's got to be something. And I was just like, oh, it's literally the hat he's wearing. He's wearing a hat that says hat. Oh, it's that, that, that knit cap. Yeah. I think it's more of a Canadian phrase. No, oh, well, it is a Canadian show, so that would make sense. Right. <laughs> and this is the first episode where it's referenced that Dot pretty much owns all of Mainframe, which in any other show, she'd be the rich villain keeping the small mom and pop businesses under her thumb, you know? <laughs> But here she's the protagonist. Well, you don't know if she's not. <laughs> That's true. You haven't watched all the This is only yet. number three. <laughs> oh, man. Would that have been a twist? All right. Are you ready for some bits and bites? I am ready for bits and bites, Jessica. All right. Well, the first bit I have for you is the title. Quick and the Dead is the reference they're making. So, again, a little bit with prescience here. Uh, this episode came out in 1994. The movie Quick and the Dead with Sam Raimi and Sharon Stone would come out in 1995. So they're probably not referencing the movie that came out a year afterwards. There's actually a number of novels and movies slash TV shows with that title. They're more than likely referencing the Louis L'Amour novel slash the TV movie based on it that came out in 1997, especially since Louis L'Amour is a Western author. Uh, so this is a cowboy movie. And again, we kind of have this theme of Bob being the lone hero. And then he even gets, when he enters Al for the first time, he gets that saloon entrance where we get to see his his snazzy boots, which, by the way, are totally the boots I'm wearing right now. So part of my Bob cosplay is already complete. Uh, We also see a sign for DC's power bar. That's DC, of course, D-E-E-C-E-E, but referencing DC as in direct current. Oh, like ACDC. Yep. And then uh, we also see a sign for Null Away, which I thought was fun. Null Away. Nibbles is a pet for Megabyte, but uh, for others, he's just a pest. <laughs> now, what are these Nulls? Because we've seen them now in two episodes, Um. but we haven't learned their origin. Yeah, we haven't. And I don't think I'm going to discuss it here yet. We're going to let you find out later. That's the mystery of the show that will be revealed. It will. It is a mystery that will be revealed. So... Over when, when we're over at Al's, uh, we do see the seven that everyone is so afraid of eating a giant egg that has gross goop coming out of it. And when he burps, if you look closely, you'll see a tiny xenomorph head popping out of his mouth. What? I didn't catch that. So the giant egg is an egg from Alien. Uh, <laughs> and then obviously there's a little xenomorph. And then also, uh, now I know you had this in your notes, that when Bob jumps through the window of the cathedral in the game, he yells, Glitch! BSNP! Glitch! BSNP! Which makes zero sense within the context of the show. Yeah, I wasn't sure what he said. I rewound that line a couple times and I couldn't make sense of it. So BSNP is the acronym for Broadcast Standards and Practices. This will not be the last reference to them because the show hated the broadcast standards and practices group. <laughs> yeah, I kept hearing BS and D for some reason. So apparently they have a rule, the broadcast standards and practices, that you can't, in a children's show, you cannot show someone smashing through a window because it is a imitatable act. Oh. I can understand where this is coming from because my mom wouldn't let me watch Pippi Longstockings because Pippi Longstockings swung on chandeliers. And one day I might swing on a chandelier too. <laughs> 
But when I was first watching this, I caught the BS&P, but wasn't sure what it was referencing. I had to look up the smashing through a window part. Because if you ask me, I thought they were referencing the fact that the weird thing that lets him go through the window without actually smashing it just looked like a penis. <laughs> really? <laughs> I didn't get that at all. I thought they were making a penis joke. I guess we'll see. <laughs> it could have been both. Oh, boy. They're like, if you won't let us break this window, not only will he go through the window, but he'll, he'll just, do it. Just make it a dick. <laughs> yeah. and, and again, this would not be the only joke like of this nature that they would make in this show. Right. So, well, you mentioned the condom you know. thing earlier. Oh, yeah. That'll happen. We're getting there. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. They'll do a 789 joke in one episode, a condom joke in the other. <laughs> Something for everyone. <laughs> yeah, so that's my bits and bites for this episode. Alphanumeric. So let's move on to the game. Yes, the game. What do you think of the game? Um, you know, I'm I'm not a big open world fantasy. Like this kind of had a Skyrim thing going on. Um, I, I'm more into like puzzles and racing and platformers and stuff. And like that whole like fantasy stuff isn't really my jive. Ah, uh, see, fantasy stuff is exactly my jive. <laughs> so there's a few games of this era that were probably an influence in their choice. So there's a whole slew of D&D games. Okay. So there's Pool of Radiance came out in 1988. Eye of the Beholder and Death Knights of Kryn came out in 1991. And Dungeon Hack came out in 1993. And these are all official D&D computer games. But they're not... You don't have like a person walking around. You kind of had a picture in front right. of you and choice options. And well, at know. that time, yeah, the graphics weren't going to be first person like that. Like said, so, like this is kind of like a Skyrim feel, which was way beyond its time for this show. And then there was, um, sure, you know the game just because it's in everyone's minds now because everyone is ready to watch Ready Player One. Uh, but mm. I feel like when they're on the dragons, there's a bit of a joust feel. Okay. Uh, I mean, they're not, you know, giant birds, but, (laughs) you know, they're going at each other in that way. They do joust. That's how Bob defeats the user at first. He knocks him off the dragon with his lance. So obviously there'd be a lot of games now. Uh, We have Dragon Age. We have Skyrim that are references like this old Knights and Castles stuff. There's a game that came out in 2002 for the PS2 that I played the crap out of called Draken the Ancient's Gates, which is a sequel to the 1999 game Draken the Order of the Flame for PC. It reminded me so much of Draken that I went and looked up some Draken clips. And man, if this didn't look just like it. <laughs> when was that released? That was released in 2002. Oh, so, okay. So, I mean, <laughs> the graphics that we're seeing in this 1994 game finally catches up to video games around 2002. Because it looked like Bob running around, except it was a lady and she wasn't blue. <laughs> when was like the Nintendo 64 out? Uh, I want to say it was around the same time. Uh, let's see here. So Nintendo 64 first came out in 1996. Okay, so um, still a little later. Still a little later. Not it, that much. It was available up until 2003, it looks like. But yeah, if you check out Draken, and I'll, I'll put a little clip or picture it up on the, the interwebs, it just really reflects, I think, what they were going for, especially since you're running around in a dragon. <laughs> but yes, I would play this game. I have played this game. I've was just thinking, man, I, I could go back and, and replay Dragon Age Inquisition right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I'd I'd probably pass just because it's not my genre. All right, that's the game. This is wrong. This is all wrong. It's time to award the golden pigtail. Did you find yourself a frosty moment? So I really loved the binome with a hat that says hat on it. I don't know why. (laughs) The the toque binome. It's (laughs) such a silly joke. I laughed. 
but yeah, I I chuckled at that. I thought that was really fun. <laughs> and then I think the the BS and P moment with the possible phallic joke in there. <laughs> Maybe I'm reading into it. Maybe that's just me. But I thought that was really fun too. But I think I'm gonna have to give the moment to the really cool feral face that we get to see from from Megabyte. Oh yeah. I think that there's a lot of foreshadowing in that of 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 who Megabyte is and what he'll be revealed to be and Is he a lolcat? <laughs> no, this is nineteen ninety four. If he's any kind of cat, he is in a toaster with a rainbow behind it. Wow. <laughs> he's an iron cat. <laughs> Well, I really only had one nominee this week, and it is Enzo stuck in the princess dress with his feet dangling. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's that five. It's that weird fucking five. Well, now we definitely have to get a picture of the five up there, because if it's that weird, I need to see it. <laughs> I'm going to make that five my profile picture. All right. That was the Golden Pigtail Award for the Frostiest Moment. <laughs> So, Jessica, did you watch ahead? Do you know what's coming up next week? I did not watch ahead this time. I do know what's coming up next week, though. Uh, so next week we have season one, episode four, The Medusa Bug. And it's going to be a little bit more hexadecimal. What do you remember from this one? I know Hex tries something that, you know, kind of backfires on her. And it's a, it's a very Bob and Hex-centered episode. We get to see their relationship develop a little bit. So it seems to go back and forth between Megabyte and hexadecimal like every other episode. Um, you know, right now it definitely is. <laughs> I don't think that they continued that back and forth as, as strictly as they seem to be doing in these first four episodes. But Bob and Hex have always had this kind of, not quite will they, won't they. But you notice the, the bit of tension between them. <laughs> yeah. At least from Hex's side. This starts to grow that relationship between them, which will continue throughout the life of the series. <laughs> So that's our show. Uh, ben, is there anything you want to recommend to our listeners this week? I'll tell you what. This week I actually do have a couple things. First is a British comedy anthology series called Inside Number 9. If you're a fan of the League of Gentlemen or Psychoville, it's the same guys, and it's hilarious. Uh, they just finished up season four, but I just discovered it myself. It's on Hulu. On top of that, there's a new podcast from The Onion. It's a parody of Serial, and it's called A Very Fatal Murder, and it's six or seven ten-minute episodes, and it's really great. I just You can burn through it in an hour. Awesome. All right. I actually have something too. So I'm probably going to be shouting out web comics for the foreseeable future because I love comics. So this week I'm going to shout out the web comic How to Be a Werewolf. It's by Sean Lenore. It's about a young woman who was bitten by a werewolf when she was a little girl, has lived with that curse for her life since, and just finds out that there are other people like her and there's this whole culture and community and she's been going this road alone. So she's learning how to be a werewolf. Uh, she's meeting witches and other werewolves and having tons of fun with it. Sean Lenore does an amazing job with the art. It's constantly beautiful. You can check it out on howtobeawerewolf.com. Uh, it's in 300 pages in or so. So there's a good chunk. If you got some time to put aside, it's definitely worth your while. Yeah. So I want to uh, thank uh, Kevin McLeod for the use of our theme music, Spasmatica Polka. 
you can find us on IncomingGameCast.com, as well as most social media at, at IncomingGameCast, except for Twitter, where we are at IncomingGamePod. You can find me at Lady on pretty much all social media, where I will mostly post arts and stuff. Where can we find you? I'm usually at Dudworks or Dudworks Art online on like Facebook and Twitter. I actually, I don't normally tweet much, but I've been picking it up lately. Reach out to us. Say hi. Yeah. Reach out, especially to, we're going to start putting up like polls and, you know, pictures from our frostiest moments and stuff like that. We would love to hear your input. Absolutely. And also now our episodes are starting to drop on iTunes and uh, other podcasts. We'd love to get your feedback on them. Tell us what you think of the episodes. Rate, review, comment, five stars, all that stuff. We love to hear from you. All right. So have we settled on an outro yet? I guess I could just read my haiku if that's all right. No. Until next time, stay frosty, folks. Stay frosty. Game over. User wins.